Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, October 12th. So Sunday night, I took my beautiful wife on an actual date to an actual concert. Don't worry, we had to sit in a socially distanced pod and follow all CDC guidelines, but we did get to watch Jason Isbell play live music in front of other humans, and it was spectacular. So without a Titans game to talk about, we're going to go heavy on college football this morning, something I'm never going to apologize about, and give you some Preds updates as well. We learned a lot this weekend in the SEC, in particular about the Tennessee Volunteers. There is some really good news for Tennessee fans, but we'll get to that in just a second, so sit tight. The bad news, or maybe harsh reality is a better phrase, is that this team simply isn't good enough to compete with the best teams in the league, for now. Football is far too complex a game to boil the entire Tennessee Volunteers' current existence into just a few words, but frankly, UT just isn't good enough. Not to be a legitimate contender for anything, at least this year. The overall depth and talent level isn't anywhere near that of Georgia or Alabama, and maybe even Florida or A&M. The Vols should be proud of the way they played in the first half, and then super aware of what happened in the second. One program is simply on a different level. In basically every aspect of the game, too. At quarterback, the former fourth-string walk-on was better than the fifth-year senior. The one place Tennessee does have elite talent, the offensive line, they got completely embarrassed by the Georgia defensive front. There aren't really any words to describe what Georgia's defense did to that highly touted, nicknamed offensive line on Saturday. 27 carries for negative one yards rushing? Really? And the Dogs almost hit 200 yards rushing on their own, doing basically exactly what they did last week against Auburn. Line up, show you what's coming, and do it anyway, and then keep doing it all game long. The Vols simply aren't there yet. If it was just the three turnovers in the second half, I could understand being frustrated and upset with how the third quarter unfolded and or maybe kick yourself for missing an opportunity to enter the SEC East race. But the offense was outscored 37-14. to 14. If the two defensive touchdowns cancel each other out, forgetting the fact that one of them was a gift while the other one wasn't, no, this team never really looked the part from the first series. The blatantly obvious difference along both lines of scrimmage right out of the gate for both sides of the ball, made the final score the most logical conclusion, the dam breaking in the second half and the Georgia Bulldogs pulling away. It is what it is. The Dogs are a playoff contender, and Tennessee is in the early stages of the third year of a totally rebuilt program. It's just the harsh reality. Okay, so I know what you're thinking now. That all sounds pretty bad. What the hell was the good news I was talking about earlier? The good news is that 2020 is going to be a pain in the ass for everyone, and we've seen already across both college football nationally and the SEC, everyone is going to lose an extra game or maybe even two this year. And the Vols' primary and most important goals are all still sitting right in front of them for the taking. Keep acquiring talent, show you can compete with the better teams in the league, and take care of business in all the other games you're supposed to win. The Vols were a two-touchdown underdog for a reason. And they had the lead in the third quarter on the road against the best defense in America. There's a huge lesson in there for a growing program and coaching staff. The talent is improving. This group clearly likes to fight. And there are a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. Unfortunately, in 2020, every game is a losable one too. But that's just life this year. Especially for upper middle class teams like Tennessee in the SEC who cannot afford to make any mistakes at all. So they're close. You keep stacking classes of Henry Totos and Eric Grays on top of each other, and they will have the ability to finish games like Saturday when they find themselves playing their asses off on the road against the top five team and have a lead in the second half. 
And that breakthrough will come for Jeremy Pruitt. Just stay the course and handle your business in 2020. And one day, they will come, I promise. Part of the reason Vols fans should be excited, as I just mentioned, is that it's a shit show out here in the SEC, for real. Florida is still probably one of the top three teams in the league, but already has a loss. Auburn has issues. LSU has even more. Hell, Tennessee lost by three touchdowns and probably should move up in the SEC power rankings this week. Den Mullen has said that he believes offenses are simply way ahead of the defenses so far in 2020, and it's hard to argue with him. Number one, his defense can't tackle anyone. Ole Miss shredded them. South Carolina made a comeback, and Kellen Mond might have just played the best game of his entire career. And just like that, the Gators are a game back of Georgia. Speaking of the Bulldogs, Georgia continues to look like the nation's best defense, but does Stetson Bennett make you think national championship or beer league softball MVP? Alabama continues to look like the nation's best offense, but that defense is going to cost them a game somewhere in 2020. As a totally awesome side note, by the way, the nation's best defense and the nation's best offense will actually play each other next weekend in Tuscaloosa. Just going to get the hype train rolling on that one right now. Texas A&M might be the fourth best team in the league, but already has given up 50 points in a loss and struggled against Vanderbilt. You can see what I'm getting at here. We, we were set to learn a lot about a lot this weekend in the SEC. And one of the things we've clearly learned is that chaos isn't coming. It's already here. A 10-game SEC schedule would be absolutely murderous if 2020 was a normal year much less one where we're all living in a state of constant distraction. No, if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, Jimbo Fisher, Dan Mullen, Gus Malzahn, you bet your ass I'm telling my team, look, stay focused because there's a lot of opportunity to get back in the race. If I'm Coach O, on the other hand, I do some serious soul searching because the Tigers may be in for a bad come down off that national title bender they've been on for the last eight months. Lastly, in the SEC, let's give some free shouts. I have no idea how good either one of these two teams is going to be and no idea what to make of their coaching staffs, but Missouri and Vanderbilt have found themselves some quarterbacks that are going to play for like the next 40 games. Connor Bazelak was brilliant against LSU in the win for Mizzou, and Ken Seals totally looks the part of a long-term starter in what appears to be a pretty bad Commodore's offense. So free shouts to future quarterback play on West End and in Como. Free shouts to Sam Pittman, the offensive line coach turned first-time head coach, has done a pretty nice job in three games. Beat Mississippi State, made Georgia sweat a little bit, and likely should have beaten Auburn this weekend if not for some bizarre officiating. And you know who doesn't get free shouts this weekend? SEC officials. Good God, they were terrible in the Florida-Texas A&M game, and as I said, totally screwed up the end of the Arkansas game. Weren't exactly great in the Alabama game. I, I realize we're all a bit rusty in 2020, but... Come on, man. You guys got to get calls right, even if they are really obscure. David Poyle and the Preds made a couple of plays in free agency already. On Friday afternoon, Nashville signed a pair of defensemen, and it could end up being the third-line D pairing coming up next season. The Preds inked Matt Benning to a two-year deal worth $1 million per year, and Mark Borvietsky, also known as Burrow Cop, to a two-year deal worth $2 million per season. Benning is 26 years old and has played in 248 games over the last four years in Edmonton, while Borvietsky is 31 years old and has played 375 games over the last nine seasons, all in Ottawa. Burrow Cop led the NHL in penalty minutes a few years ago, and it's totally worth your time watching him explain how he got his nickname, Burrow Cop. Basically, he's a hero, and you should go find the interview on my timeline at Braden Gall. I tweeted it out. Y'all go check it out. In related news, Craig Smith signed a three-year deal with the Boston Bruins at a per-year average of $3.1 million per year. 
That number is way down from the four and a quarter that Preds paid him last season, which really forces you to ask the question, why didn't the Preds want to try to bring him back? Did Smith just want out? I guess it's possible. Does Poyle really believe that much in guys like Tolvanen to throw them into the fire without any veteran safety nets? Or is there a big play still coming in the works for Nashville? All of which, of course, are possible. Either way, if you'd have told me Craig Smith would have re-signed with Nashville at 3.1 per year, I would have said, where do I sign? Only time will tell if the separation was the right move for Nashville. Or maybe Smith just simply didn't want to come back at all. Additionally, the Predators traded Austin Watson to Ottawa for a 2021 fourth-round draft pick and signed forward Nick Cousins to a two-year contract worth $1.5 million per year. Nashville will be the 27-year-old's fifth team in seven seasons in the NHL. He did post a career high in per-game point production last year, splitting time between Montreal and Vegas. He effectively takes Watson's slot in the lineup. Of the Predators' top 13 forwards used last year, six of them are now gone, and the third defense pairing will be completely different as well. So if you're counting at home, effectively half of the entire starting lineup for the Nashville Predators will be new in 2021. Thanks for listening, everybody. Rate, review, and subscribe. My name is Braden Gall, and this has been the 440 for Monday, October 12th. 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.